Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Linnets and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. celebrating what God did here in Bible school this past week. We have been uh, the recipients of just the combined energy of a great number of volunteers and those who uh, were instrumental in being able to carry it out. And uh, it's just proof that the prayer of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was answered. In John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, the Lord Jesus prays this. Now, we know the Lord's Prayer, and probably many of us can say that prayer, and it's been called the Lord's Prayer, but this is truly the last prayer of the Lord before he goes to the cross. And I want to just remind us that God answers prayer, and I'm going to show you a picture of that in a moment. My prayer, Jesus writes, is not for them alone. He's talking about his 12 disciples that he had been with. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Well, this is Jesus' prayer, that there will be unity and intimacy of God's people with him and with God the Father. And uh, God answered that prayer because groups like this, in places like this, have for 20 centuries been proclaiming the work of Christ through their unified efforts of sharing and living out the mission of God's love and serving of others. And so um, there's a picture of our 160 volunteers. Not everyone can make the picture, and plenty of other people served behind the scenes and even before the Bible school week, and there'll be people serving this week as we tear down and give the monumental um, things over to another church so that they can use it. And Uh, It takes that kind of unified teamwork in order to be able to make a difference in the lives of people. Now, the passage I just read, Jesus says his desire is that the people who believed in him would have an intimacy with him and with God the Father. So I don't know if you caught that in the passage early on. It said, my desire is that they will have the same love with us that you and I share. In other words, God's hope is that you and I will share intimately in his love, and together that will be our experience for eternity. Well, as he prays for this kind of unified intimacy, uh, there are two phrases in the passage that tell us why he prayed for that. Why did Christ pray that we would be unified and have this kind of intimacy with him and with God. So in the phrase, in the passage I read to you, there are two purpose statements. 
Purpose statements start with the word so that, in order that. So in other words, when he's telling in his prayer and asking in his prayer for all of us to be unified, to have intimacy with God and with Jesus and with one another, to have a unified mission in the world together, there's a reason why he wants that. Why does Jesus pray that prayer? And he gives us two reasons why he prays it. First, that the world will be convinced that God sent Jesus into the world. Now, there are a lot of religions in the world. There are a lot of religious faiths, right? There's Buddhism, and there's Hinduism, and there's Islam, and there's Judaism, and there's a lot of those things. And each of those uh, religions have founders. So we have Moses or uh, Muhammad. Uh, we have uh, the Buddha uh, and, and other religions that have their founders. And Jesus, of course, the founder of Christianity. Only one of those people ever said he was God. None of the others ever claimed that they were anywhere near God. They all claimed to be messengers from God, but not any of them but Jesus Christ claimed to be God and to have been sent directly to this world from God, only Christ. And as he prays, he's basically saying, when churches and Christians are united, and when they serve God in ways where people are pulling in the same direction and demonstrating God's love to the world, that causes the world who has yet to determine what they believe, for those people in the world who don't know yet, seeing united Christians in loving service to others helps convince the world that God actually sent Jesus into the world and that Jesus may, in fact, be who he claims he is. Now, you know, anybody who claims walking around claiming to be God normally gets put in an institution, right? So Jesus, he, he gets crucified because he claims he's God, and the people who crucify him say, you're a blasphemer. You're not God. You're just a man. So when Jesus is praying here, his burden and concern is what? People need to see something that's abnormal, Something that's not what normally appears in the world where there's strife and arguing and where people can't get along. They need to see something that's a visible demonstration that the message he proclaimed about himself is true. And when there's unity and mission, unity and love and service, it validates the claims that Jesus makes of himself. I want to tell you a story about Paul the butcher to show you the power of unity around a mission. About 20 years ago, maybe a little more than 20 years ago, I was a part of a seven-person team who went and lived in the jungles of Africa with the pygmies. And our job living with the pygmies was to build one house. One, just one house. And it really wasn't a house like you think of it. It was really a shed. And the reason we were building it in the middle of the rainforest was so that people who were translating the Bible could use that as a way to keep all of their translation materials dry and be able to work 24 hours because we put solar panels on the roof and electric, ran electric, and it was just going to be, it wasn't very big, 
but it was the hardest job I ever did because you had to make your own bricks, you had to carry your own water, you had to carry your own sand, and you had to do it for miles, walking it to the place where you were mixing the mud, and then you made one brick at a time using an old-time industrial machine, and all of the wood was hardwood. You couldn't even pound nails into it. We broke every saw blade that we brought. It was incredibly difficult work. And the guys who were there, the seven uh, fellows that went on the team, we had two contractors who were expert carpenters, two who worked in contracting who were expert uh, masons, bricklayers, and, and three of us who were just, you know, we were there to mix mud and carry water. Unskilled laborers is what I think they called us. <laughs> Anyhow, one of those unskilled laborers was a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul loved the Lord. He was, not, uh, uh, he was not a complicated guy. He just loved the Lord. He was very, very, what you saw is what you got. And, uh, and he just, all the time we were there, the team was just united. We were pulling together in the same kind of purpose. And we were, uh, we were working alongside of the villagers uh, from the Pygmy Village. And they were helping us. And we were singing songs. And there was a unity there that was really special. And a few converts had been made, and the hope was that more would come to know the love of God. And so after the first week, we were going to have a worship. It was a Sunday. And all of us were tired, of course, as you many of you are when you come to church on Sunday. You've worked hard all week. You come in here sometimes physically weary, maybe even mentally or emotionally weary. And that's who we were that Sunday. And we sat in the back of this hut. They, they had a, a dirt floor and a, a grass roof and a, a couple of poles to hold the sides up to keep you from getting wet in case it rained. And, uh, and we went to church with the same expectations that most people in America go to church with. You're going to come, you're going to sit, you're going to sing, you're going to worship, you're going to have some fellowship, and then you'll go. And, uh, you know, so that's what, I mean, all of us are thinking that way, but we know we're not in our country, but, I mean, we're going to church. But when we get to church, whew, it was not church anything like what we knew it. The men sat on one side, and the women sat on the other, and everyone was dressed in beautiful, bright colors, except for the seven missionaries who all had our, you know, our work clothes, that's about all we brought. And it was filthy there where we were working, so we weren't the cleanest on that Sunday. And we sat all the way in the back. And, you know, they got up and made some announcements in a different language. We didn't understand it. And then, you know, they sang a couple of songs, again, in a different, different key uh, than what we were used to here. And, uh, and then came something that happened that changed our lives forever. It was time for the offering. But instead of ushers showing up and passing plates down the aisle or having a box in the back like we do here where you can put your money in uh, without, any, you know, without any fanfare, no, in that service, they danced their offering to the very front of the church. And they started with the gals, and they started in the front. And the, they would come and they would dance and then they would dance all the way around the church and back into there. And they, I mean, they could dance. I mean, they, they had some, you know, if, when you see somebody who can really dance, it's, it's, you admire that, right? Because coordination like that is incredible. And we're in the back and it's getting closer and closer to us. 
And you could look because all the sweat was coming off of our foreheads because we had to dance our offering to the front. Well, we danced it to the front. And here's what this reminds me of. This week in Bible school, we had 300 kids, and they're singing. And every one of these songs, like you just saw, have hand motions, right? And if you notice, most of the kids are really right into the hand motions and everything. But, and, and most of the teachers and, and people that were sitting with the kids kind of learned the hand motions, and they were doing it. But there was a group of people in the back who were waiting for their assignments somewhere during the night. Those people did not know how to do hand motions. I was watching them. Maybe they would do this. Occasionally they would do that. Never on time. Never in step with everyone else. And the idea that you would do this, why those people in the back, they did this. <laughs> That's what this dancing reminded me of. <laughs> you ever see, hear that song by Genesis and Phil Collins, I Can't Dance? That was us. So with worship service done, we got back to the camp where we were staying. And the first thing out of everybody's mouth was, oh, we got two more Sundays. <laughs> How are we going to get out of this? Because it was bad. Well, we did our work over the time, and, and God helped us, and there was great harmony in that village, and people were pulling together for the sake of the gospel. And on the last Sunday... They had a request. They wanted the preacher from America to preach. They knew I was a preacher, so they asked me to preach. And they wanted Paul, the guy I was talking to you about earlier, uh, the butcher, they wanted him to give his testimony. And I thought, that's kind of odd. We've got these really high-end construction guys who built, really, they did the work. They built the house. The rest of us just kind of labored. They didn't want any of them. They wanted Paul. And so I asked the missionary, I said, can I ask why they asked for Paul? And she kind of hemmed and hawed around a little bit, and she said, well, he's a butcher. And you know, the pygmies are hunter-gatherers, and they're fascinated with animals and with meat, and so here's a butcher in our midst, and they thought it might be cool to have a butcher talk to them about his life. And so Paul got up, he, he gave his testimony, it was really wonderful. I wish, you, you know, it was, I, I th sad as I heard him, this is not the guy I would have expected God to use in this way, but he was being used in an incredible way, and as he shared, you could tell the pygmies were visibly moved. And, uh, and there, was, there was a lot of spiritual stuff that happened because of the way he shared what, about his life. And when we were all done from the service, and we had all gotten our dance over with. And when we were all done, the missionary came up to me and said, I, I have to confess that I lied to you. I said, why? She said, I said, that's never a good thing for a missionary to do. Don't lie if you're a missionary. And she said, well, she said, they didn't really want Paul to give his testimony because he was a butcher. They really wanted him to give his testimony because they never saw anyone dance so bad in the entire history of their village, and they wanted to know, what's up with that guy? <laughs> and Listen, I have a videotape of that, and I, I thought about playing it for you, but it wouldn't be fair to him. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know to this day that he knows that that's why they asked him up front because I never had the courage to tell him. <laughs> but here's what happened. A group of people on mission without any real special capacities beyond just what we were doing, so committed to the cause of Christ of serving others in love, even though we were very different from the people we were serving with, when one of those people simply being willing to serve as part of a united team doing the work of Christ, when he talked, incredible things happened because when he served, he served with a united heart with the people who were there. What happened as a result? That unity validated what he said. And because of that, lives were changed. And so what does Jesus say there? Lord, I pray they'll be united, that they'll be on mission, that together they will pull together in the same direction. Why? So that the world might believe that you have sent me. You know what the world really needs to see? Christians who are united in loving service to the world. That's what they need to see. And, that's, and how do I know that? Because that's what Jesus prayed for. I pray that they will be united and understand that they're united with me, Jesus, and you, God the Father. And when they see that we're united with, with us, the world will know that you sent me and the message that I'm God and that I'm the only way of salvation will resonate as truth, not because we made an argument and won a battle of words, but because we were united with Jesus and God in loving action to the world. That's what proves to people that Jesus' message is worth listening to. You see, that's the question so many people have in the world. Many people don't mind Jesus but they really mind Jesus' followers. It's the truth. Many people don't mind Jesus, but they really mind Jesus' followers because Jesus' followers don't be, seem to be connected at times to the love and the desires of God in the world. So that's why Jesus prays this. Now, there's a second reason he pra prays this, and it's the reason uh, that I just mentioned, which is this. It convinces the world that God loves them. God wants the world to know that he loves them. God wants the world to know, and if you're a part of the world, as we all are, that you are loved. Notice what he says there. Father, if the people who are my people are united, if they share that unity and intimacy with me, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What is the heart of the message of God? The heart of the message of God is that he loves people and that he loves you and that he loves me and that the essence entirely of our faith is about being a light to the world that lets them know that we, as followers of Christ, serve a God who loves them. That is a message that changes the world. You want to know why the early church, among all of the pagan religions and among all the philosophies in Rome, you want to know why the church became so powerful and great across the world? It's because 
Christians loved one another with such passion for Jesus that they served others so extensively that people asked the question, who are these people that they'll go and live with lepers? Who are these people who will go and rescue orphans? Who are these people who will take their own money and feed the hungry? Because the Roman government wasn't doing any of that stuff. You want to know why America is so great? Because it was influenced by a Judeo-Christian faith that says real life and real love is serving others with the things you have. And in that, the message of the love of God found in Jesus Christ is validated. This week, we uh, were very intent on trying to share with the kids uh, the love of God and the plan of God. And as you heard, 40 of them uh, said yes to Jesus for the first time, giving their lives to Christ, inviting him to be their Savior. And with that message, we did some hand motions. And uh, if we have kids sitting here in the, uh, in the uh, service this morning, uh, you guys are going to help me share the message we shared with you with your mom and dad or your grandparents. Uh, and basically, uh, there were five phrases, and each phrase has a hand motion uh, or a hand sign, and each one is a part of the message that communicates to us that God loves us. So the first thing we started with in the message that we have about Jesus, and you can see more lights have been turned on here this morning because so many came to believe that this week. The first thing about it, all right, kids, help me now, is the heart. That's right. And down here we got it right. God loves, right? God loves. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The whole essence of our faith and the whole message that we believe is that God loves us. God loves you. God wants you to know and experience his love. He wants every person sitting in this room and every person in this world to know he has a deep and eternal and abiding love for them. The second thing we learned was that, shout it out, kids, sin separates. That's right, sin separates. Good. Sin is that which causes us to fall short of God's desire for our life. And when that happens in our life, our friendship with God, our relationship with God is, is hindered. It's strained. God is sad when that happens. And as a result of his goodness and greatness and justice, and as the God of the universe, sin is something that God can't put up with. Sin has to be removed from God's presence because God is holy and righteous and good. And so when we fall short, and the Bible says all of us do, we all sin at some point in time, well, sin separates. But the good news is what? Jesus saves. There's the cross. Jesus saves, right? God so loved us that he gave us Jesus to be our Savior. God wants you so much to know how deeply he loves you to the point of giving you Christ. When my kids were little, I had two of my kids in the first service, and when I used this illustration, they were both laughing. Uh, but you know, but this, is, this is just the truth. When my kids were little, 
I, I would get down on my hands and knees and we would play a little game called How Much? And uh, I, would start, I would start it this way. I would say, how much does daddy love you? Does he love you this much? No. How much does daddy love you? Does he love you this much? No. How much does daddy love you? Does he love you this much? No. How much does daddy love you? Does he love you this much? No. How much does daddy love you? Does he love you this much? Yes. And then they would come and give me a hug and I would hug them. And listen, on the cross, the sinless son of God loved you so much that he had a crown of thorns placed on his head and nails driven into his feet and a spear uh, placed in his side and his arms stretched out on the cross like this. And when you look at the cross, dear friends, that's your father in heaven saying, how much does daddy love you? He loves you this much. So why does he love us? Because he's a God of grace and kindness, but his heart is for us. And Paul says in the Bible, if God is for us, who can be against us? And, God, and he prays that, that we would know the height, the depth, the width, and the breadth of the love of God. And because God loves and because he found a way to save us through Jesus, he offers us eternal life as a free gift, which is our fourth symbol, which is God gives. That's right, God gives. What does he give? He gives us eternal life as a free gift. You can't get to heaven, folks, on the basis of how good you are. You're not good enough. You can't take all of your good works and weigh them against your bad and hope that that's what gets you into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says only Jesus was good enough. He was perfect and sinless. But he came and he offered himself and God accepts the sacrifice he made on the cross and God takes away my sin and he gives you and me the goodness and righteousness of Jesus. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't look at me as if I'm a rotten scoundrel, although I actually have been in my life. What he looks at me is as a beloved child of God who's been forgiven by the blood of Jesus that was paid for my sin at Calvary's tree. And so now God gives me eternal life. But as I've told the kids this week and as I would share with all of us, if I came to your birthday party and I offered you a gift and you tried to pay me for it, or you refused to take it from me, it would be of no use to you, would it? It would be an insult to me, the giver, number one. And secondly, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to enjoy it. So here's God. He gives you this gift, but by faith, you must reach out and take it. And so when Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest, come to me, and I will give you life, whoever comes to me, I will never turn away. He's talking to every single person in the world. Come to Christ. He will receive you because God gives life as a free gift. And not only does he give you Jesus to be your Savior, but he gives you the Holy Spirit to be your helper. And so when we receive the gift of Christ, we also get the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God gives us the power to live the way God wants us to live. And finally, the last thing God wants for us 
because of this message of truth and love is that God wants us to grow. Just like we're born as a little baby and then we grow to be taller and some of the kids will grow to be taller than me maybe. And we grow physically. Well, that's the same thing God wants to have happen spiritually. We're born as little spiritual babies. We don't know a lot about Jesus, only that he loves us. But we come to church, we study the Bible, we pray, we fellowship with other Christians so that we will grow strong and mature in our faith. So there's the message we shared all week long with your children. And 40 of them accepted that message by accepting Christ as their Savior. And we thank you for letting us share it with them and sharing it with you. So you want to review it with me real quick now? God loves, sin separates. Jesus saves, God gives. And you want to know the symbol for we grow? I didn't share that with you, did I? Because it requires me to stand on one leg. Are you ready? We grow. All right. And, and that's the good news message of Jesus Christ for every single one of us. I trust that you'll consider that message for your own life if you haven't considered it already. And as I pray, if that's something you want to do, here's what I would invite you to do. There's a yes card, an orange card in the seat in front of you. Pull out the card Say, yes, I'm praying, I want to receive Christ. Drop it in the basket that's by the door out here, and we'll be in touch with you to help you understand all that that means in, the, in, in your life. The Bible says that when anyone gives their life to Christ, the angels in heaven have a party. And we can't see them partying, uh, but we can do a little partying here, and so when we're done... We're going to go party with some free ice cream. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for your message of love, and we thank you for your act of love in going to the cross. And we thank you for the privilege we have as your people to be engaged in mission together. And we pray that being engaged in mission together, and for us, Lord, at this congregation, this church, it's being a Jesus-centered church where the gospel is central so that we might uh, love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. And we want to pull to that end. Lord, uh, that means that we need our hearts united regardless of our spiritual gifts. We need our hearts united regardless of our particular uh, likes and dislikes. It means our hearts have to be united in spite of the fact that we have different personalities. The only way that's possible, Lord, is for us to fix our eyes on you and to hear your prayer of your desire for us to know the intimate love that you and the Father shared and your invitation for us to remember that we share that too. So help us to love one another well. Help us to serve one another well. And in so doing, serve the world that does not yet know you. Father, we ask that uh, the world will know your love. And Lord, in our neck of the world, which is here in Lidditz and uh, Northern Lancaster County, we have a job to do in sharing the love of Christ with those who need to hear it. So I pray that our first and foremost desire will be to be people of love, people united around the person of Christ, passionate about serving together in the things of God. Lord Jesus, we celebrate that you've won so many little ones to yourself this week, and you even won an adult uh, who uh, needed to have a translator 
in order to come to know you, but still did. We give you thanks and praise that you use technology to achieve that. You can do anything, God, to change the person's heart and life and to give us hope. We praise you, Father, for this church and for the people who served this week and for the fruit of ministry that we got to enjoy, a taste of heaven for sure. And now, Lord, hear our praise as we close with these songs. In Jesus' name I ask it. Hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by Anchor from Spotify. Our intro and outro song is Creative Mind by Ben Sound. From all of us here at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.